Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. I hope you're doing well. Would you put your hands together? Help me welcome all of our first-time guests, both those of you here in the room as well as those of you online. Man, so glad to be worshiping with you guys. You all having fun? Hope so. Worshiping God should be fun. We are forgiven, redeemed, going to heaven. Woo, come on. Well, hey, while we're here, got a little something to talk about until we get to heaven. Uh, so we're doing a little series, actually, based on that whole idea, simply called Give Your Life to Jesus. If you're here for the first time, the good news is the first two parts of this you can catch up online or on our app. But let me explain the whole idea behind the series. If you grew up around church or maybe you've had a friend who said something like, I, I gave my life to Jesus. Maybe you've even said at some point, I gave my life to Jesus. What we mean by that is I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins and to give me eternal life. I gave my life to Jesus. But did you really? Now let me be very clear as we do this series. I don't want anybody doubting their salvation. If you did ask Jesus, knowing that he's the son of God who came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross for you, if you ask him to be your savior, I don't want you doubting that he has saved you from your sins and you have eternal life in heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about everything that happens in between that moment and heaven, because it tends to be where we say, oh, I'm, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Okay, God, I'll let you know and I have a problem. I've got life from here on out. And so what we're talking about in this series are parts of our lives that honestly we've held on to pretty tightly. You know, we put this series at the beginning of the year because I believe everybody wants a better year this year than last year. Uh, that's the case every year, by the way. But anybody in particular, 24, you'd like it to be a little better than 23. Anybody? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, here's what I believe, and here's what I can promise you. If you give more of your life to Jesus this year than you did last year, you'll have a better year. So we started off part one. Uh, actually, our online campus pastor started off part one, Chuck Hill, and he talked to us about, first of all, making sure that we had that foundation, making sure you understood who Jesus is, what he's done. He died on the cross for you so that you can be forgiven and have eternal life. We wanted to make sure everybody had given their life to Jesus. But then he also took it one step further. That's a one-time thing to ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you, but then you wake up tomorrow when you still have struggles. And so we find out it is a daily thing for us to give our struggles, our temptations to Jesus so that we can live in victory and freedom. Part two, again, both of these are online. We looked at how it is so wearying and tiring and exhausting to live in this world, and we carry burdens we were never meant to carry. Jesus actually invites us, come to me, give me your burdens. And then today we're gonna to talk about another topic. This one's a little different though. I bet if we went around the room and I gave everybody 10 guesses for the kinds of things that we're gonna talk about and something that we need to give up, something we need to give to Jesus, I don't think anybody would get this one. Matter of fact, the truth is we all have this in our lives and most every single one of us is proud of it. We think it's a great thing and we're, we're glad to have it. You know, we actually spent all of our childhood years working our way up to being able to say, I am independent. Ooh, not many of you are happy about this one, are you? But you think about that, man, when I'm 18, finally, nobody's gonna tell me what time to go to bed or that I can't eat pizza all the time or whatever. Nobody's, oh, except, well, my parents do need to pay for college. But now that I'm 22 and college is paid for, I am independent, man, I've got this thing, right? Have you ever thought about how much independence is actually a part of our culture? I grew up here on the East Coast, which means all around where I grew up and, and going in school to field trips, we would go to uh, war sites and museums on how we went from being colonies to our own independent nation, right? And because of that and being a history buff, I've always admired the sacrifices and the things that it took for us to become the United States of America. 
but it has put so much in our culture you may not have ever noticed. I mean, our entire nation is founded upon a war for independence. One of our most inspirational and protected documents is the Declaration of Independence. And everybody knows hot dogs taste better on Independence Day. Come on with me. I don't eat hot dogs any other day of the year. It's a part of who we are as Americans, and then we become Christians, and it gets into our American Christian life. But the truth is, we're only probably a little bit above normal because it's in human nature. Every single one of us wants to be independent. Every child at some point has said, no, mommy, I've got it. No, daddy, I can do this on my own. Leave me alone, right? Whatever age it was, every one of us has tried to do things on our own. So let me just ask, have you ever actually thought about, and I mean seriously thought, like sit down, meditate on it, maybe even write a, write a list of how much you depend on God. How much do we depend on God for? What do you depend on God for? I, I, I'm hearing it. What? There you go. Very good. Everything. Now, you're in church and you all gave the right answer. Very good. Now let's get back to real life. Because in reality, I don't think we depend on God for much at all sometimes. And you want some convicting evidence for every single one of us? Have you ever found yourself saying, all we can do now is pray? And you didn't enjoy that moment. You didn't enjoy the circumstances where you have no control, you can't do anything, and you are utterly and completely dependent upon God and whatever he decides, and you scream. Yeah. But in church, we say everything, right? So, what I, uh, before we get to the, the main passage, actually the truth is we're gonna have two main passages today because learning to give our independence to Jesus is a, a double-sided coin. But before we get there, what I thought would be good is to make sure we actually do take a moment and just reflect on how much we're dependent upon God for because I think there are some things we take for granted we don't even give credit to. So uh, if you'll allow me, I'm gonna give you a real quick whirlwind tour of some of the main things that we're dependent upon God for that maybe never even come to mind. How about this one? We are dependent upon God for our very existence, like creation existence. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The problem at that point is most of us have an image in our head, a picture, God created everything, and then he just kind of stepped back and he's folding his arms, he's kind of watching from a distance. Every now and then he'll meddle in things just a little bit, answer a few prayers, but you know God's just kind of back here and that thing's just kind of going on, autopilot, it's happening, right? We know Jesus is gonna come back someday, he's gonna fix it all, whatever, but right now it's just kind of coasting along on its own. The Bible says that is not even close to the truth. In Hebrews it says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. God is not distant just watching. God is actively sustaining our very creative existence to a point that at any moment if Jesus decided to stop sustaining creation from dust we came to dust will return and we won't even have time to know we're about to be dust. It'll just be boop, whoop. That'll kind of blow your mind when you think about it. How many of us woke up today and said, thank you, God, creation is still here? How about this? We are dependent upon God for our future. We tend to go through life as though tomorrow will be a normal day and we'll go about it as we normally do and we take every bit of it for granted. But the Bible says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. 
Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. I didn't call y'all arrogant. The Bible did, just for the record. I'm only reading. All such boasting is evil. Think about it. It's somewhere in our 60s or 70s or 80s that we finally start to wake up and open our eyes and go, another day? Oh, wow, God, thank you for another day at 85 years old. Why do we wait that long before we start to figure out every day is a gift? In our 20s and 30s and 40s, it's an expectation. We wake up and go, oh, another day, I've got to go to work. And then we whine and complain to God for the very things we depend upon him for. Thank God he loves us. Let's keep going, though. Are you aware how much we're dependent upon God for our own individual lives? The Bible says, what your eyes saw my unformed body, and all my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. Let me translate that for you. You didn't birth yourself. You didn't create yourself. You didn't even come up with the idea of you being born because you couldn't even exist to ask God to create you and birth you and put you here. That was all his goodness, his idea, like you are so far removed from it. But it's really funny, after God does all of that and gives you this great life with this talent and with this purpose, you go, okay, I'm totally in control now. I don't need you anymore. This next one's very important. We're dependent upon God for our salvation completely dependent upon God for our salvation. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith that Jesus was the son of God, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for you. When his body was broken, his blood was shed. It could pay for your sins. Faith in that. And when you ask Jesus to personally save you, it tells us this is not your own doing. Jesus died on the cross. You didn't. It's a gift from God. You can't do anything. You can't save yourself. This is so important for us to understand. God is perfectly holy, and we're not. We're born into sinful humanity, and we are sinful people. Now, some of you are really, really, really close to being amazing, and some of you, maybe you're the one person. You only did one thing wrong one day in the third grade. You had a bad attitude towards your math teacher, but other than that, you are a perfect little angel. Unfortunately, that one day puts you down here as a sinner and got up there, and you can't fix the problem in between called sin you can't save yourself but the good news is Jesus can he came he died for us listen in the first two weeks of the year this is our third Sunday of the year in the last two weeks here during our worship services 12 people have given their lives to Jesus saying I am dependent upon you for my salvation and that that's exciting and incredible but the real reason I told you that number is because I want you to understand something that means every single time I stand up here and preach, there is somebody who has yet to depend upon Jesus for their salvation. That means chances are there's somebody here today who has yet to say, I can't save myself, Jesus. Will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you give me eternal life? Let me tell you, there is one thing, the only thing you can do for yourself. Here is the one thing you can do for yourself that you are not dependent upon God for. Die. You can die and pay for your sins. If you do not want to die and pay for your sins for all eternity, then you are dependent upon God. It is the only thing that you can do on your own. How about this one? Provision. Are you aware how much you utterly depend upon God for your provision? The Bible says, you may say to yourself, 
You'd be wrong, but you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. <laughs> but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You got a great job? God gave you favor with the people who hired you. Are you good at it so you get raises and, and promotions? God gave you the intelligence. Are you physically able? God gave you the health. Whatever it is, you didn't do it, God did it. And that's why we honor God as our provider by giving back to him. How about this one? Maybe you've never thought of this. We're dependent upon God for a meaningful life. Yeah, we're dependent upon him for life upon the earth, but you're also dependent upon him for your life to be meaningful. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, no, nope, no, nope, no branches bear fruit by themselves unless it abides in the vine and neither can you. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What that means is everything in life that is meaningful, fruitful, good, and godly, you are dependent upon God to give you that in life. And I would then flip that upside down and say, if you find yourself frustrated and unfulfilled in life, it might be because you're not depending upon God for those things and you're going all about it on your own. How about this one? We're dependent upon God for breakthrough. God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. I will make a way in the wilderness. You can't. I will put rivers in the desert. You can't. See, one thing we cannot do is have power over the natural circumstances. We cannot move that which is immovable, but God can because he's the one that spoke and made creation out of nothing. He's the one that sustains it all. If he can create it and sustain it, then he can definitely rearrange it when he so chooses. God is the one who can heal when a doctor says, sorry, I can't. God is the one who can soften a heart when your words aren't getting through. God is the one who can move immovable circumstances. Let me tell you a cool story how this works. There were many years ago, Grace Life was meeting in a warehouse just a few hundred yards down the street and we bought the land that is our parking lot right now. It was before we had this piece of it. We bought, we bought them in pieces. But we had the piece that was our parking lot right now. And we, we designed a church building with architects. We were going to build a church building right there. And we got ready to do it. And Richland County said, eh, we don't think so. I said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We're independent Americans. We own this land. We can build what we want on it. And they said, no, not in Richland County. You can't. No, no. We kind of got some restrictions in this part of the county. We don't want a church there. I thought, you got to be kidding me. So I went and talked to county council members. I got nothing. I had some lawyers talk to some people. We got nothing. We were at a point we could do absolutely nothing. We put the land up for sale. Nobody would buy it. It was like, what in the world are you doing? And then God reminded me one day, do you ever have a time where God tells you to do something and it's like the worst time for you to do that? Like the most inconvenient. Seriously, God, why'd you bring it up now? Okay, this is one of those days. Because there was a day, it doesn't happen often, like once a decade here, it actually snows in Columbia. And so there was a day many years ago when the ground was covered in snow, sleet was actively falling down, and God says, I want you to walk the land and pray. As I told Joshua, everywhere that you step, I'll give you the land. So we only had like two other staff members, so me and these other two dudes were out there and were freezing cold because ain't nobody in Columbia got a jacket for sleet and snow. And so we're out there huddled under one umbrella, three grown men huddled under one umbrella, walking like this on our parking lot, which used to have a lot of trees and dirt, saying, God, give us everywhere we put our feet, just like you promised Joshua. And at their next county council meeting the next month, for whatever reason, they decided just to erase all of the restrictions in this part of the county. And that's why we're here today, everybody. God can move the immovable. We could do stories like that all day long. The problem is that 
of all things on the list might be the one that frustrates us the most because breakthrough is what we need when we have no answers. Breakthrough is what we need when we find ourselves saying, all we can do now is pray. And we hate to need a breakthrough because we have nothing and he has it all. How about this one? We're utterly dependent on, upon God for blessings. You can't bless yourself. You got no blessings to bless yourself. If you've got a blessing, it came from God. That's what the Bible says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father, not from you to yourself. You can't bless yourself. You want to be blessed, you need God. Look, I could keep going. We could keep making this list all day long. I hope that just kind of opens up your eyes to think about it because I just wanted to make this point. In church, we say we depend upon God for everything. But in reality, we depend upon God for almost nothing. And the proof is in how many of those things I just listed did you wake up and thank God for? How many of them did you pray last night that God would give you again today? We didn't because we assume those are gonna be there. We don't depend upon God for the earth still being here. We don't depend upon God for our lives. It started many years ago. Our birth is a thing in the past. We don't depend upon God. Y'all see what I'm saying? And what I believe we need to do is to change that. If you want a better year this year, we're going to need to bring God into the picture in places we've left him out. I believe we need to give our independence to Jesus. I know that's a harsh thing to preach in the United States of independent America, right? Come on, y'all with me? But I believe we need to give our independence to Jesus. I'll go this far and say this. Until we call our independence a problem, we will have a dysfunctional relationship with our God. Until you actually look in the mirror and say, my independence is a problem, you will have a dysfunctional relationship with God because it means that you will only go to God when you've run out of answers. When you're independent, when you're strong, when you're dependent upon everything on your own, you've got it covered. You will only go to God when you have no answer. That's dysfunctional. Are there any married people in the room? Imagine if the only time you ever talk to each other is when you needed something. Are there any parents in the room? Imagine, look, this is the reality of parenting. God shares this one with us. You provide for your kids, you take them on vacation, you buy them ice cream, you do all these things, and then they whine and complain. I didn't want mine in this kind of cone. I wanted my ice cream in a waffle cone. That's our God in heaven looking down upon us. We better be grateful for his patience and love. So the idea of us calling our independence a problem and actually learning to depend upon God, well, that seems really obvious. We need to depend on God. We'll get there in just a moment but it's a two-sided coin. There's a part of how we have to depend upon God that we don't like even more than the obvious and something that you might not have thought of. And that is that in order to depend upon God, we also have to depend upon God's people because the Bible gives us a picture. The people of God on the earth were a family and we're not called to be orphans. We're called to be saved and brought into a family. We need our brothers and sisters, everyone that's around us. The Bible also gives us another picture of the people of God, and that is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we're the body. So if we're gonna depend upon Jesus, tell me how you're gonna depend upon Jesus without depending upon his hands and his feet, which is each other. Sadly, unfortunately, there are many Christians who try to live individually and independently from God's people. I've heard a lot of people say, I don't need church. I don't need organized religion. I got God, me and him, we're good. The problem is God doesn't agree with you. 
because the Bible is very clear on how much we need his people. And understand why we avoid it. People are frustrating. People have hurt us. Every one of us has been hurt by another person somewhere along the way. And the more that we've tried to do the right thing, sometimes the more that we get hurt. But we must embrace our dependence on God's people. We must embrace our dependence on God's people. And here's why. Scripture says, now you are, if you have asked Jesus to be your king, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You can't keep thinking about yourself as you. You've got to see yourself as a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is important. It is significant. And when all of the pieces try to leave, then, then it doesn't work. It's not there. Something is missing. That's why it says the I cannot say. It was, it's going to want to. We do it here in America all the time in the American church. Oh, I don't need you. No, but it says the I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. It can't. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Look, I, I want to be very theologically correct and clear. If you were on an island alone, you and the Holy Spirit, God can and will meet absolutely every single need you ever have. Are you with me? But you're not on an island alone. And for whatever reason, you can ask him when you get to heaven. For whatever reason, God has decided that as long as you are on the earth surrounded by his people, there are things he will only give you through his people. And there are things you're gonna do without as long as you try to do life alone and say, but God, I need this. He's like, I told you where to get it. Again, that's a little bit of a mystery. God, why you want it that way? I don't know, but he did. And, and some of you are looking at me like, that can't be true. Okay, let me prove it to you. How about this? We need encouragement in this world. And the Bible says this, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit. Look at that. 2,000 years ago, people were already refusing to go to church. I mean, that, this was the first century. Some of these people knew Jesus and they're like, yeah, I don't want to go to my small group this week because Bob said something mean to me last week. I ain't going around him no more. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit because we need something. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We talked last week in part two about the weariness of living in this world. It's an exhausting, sinful, hurtful world. It beats you down. We need each other to lift each other up. You need somebody to say, we can do this. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. Let me come alongside you. We need people to encourage us. And the truth is, if you find yourself facing a lot of despair and hopelessness and loneliness, it's probably because you're lonely. You're doing life without God's people. How about this one? God says we need each other for healing. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. The Bible says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's stuff that's broken in here that God says, I'm only gonna fix that when you become transparent and vulnerable to each other. The Bible says confess your sins to God and be forgiven. We can, we, can, we can be forgiven. We can go to him and have a conversation with him. But if you want something in here that's broken to be made right, God says, I'm gonna do that through my people. You're gonna have to actually be genuine with each other. You're gonna have to talk to each other. You're gonna have to share life. Otherwise, you're gonna be missing out on something. How about this one? We need each other in order to grow and be better people. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That does not sound like fun, does it? Have y'all ever seen iron being sharpened? 
You ever seen a blacksmith working? Maybe you saw a video or something. They take a piece of metal and they stick it in the fire till it glows and then they start beating on it with another piece of, I mean, like, seriously, that does not sound like a fun way to, to become a mature person. But it's exactly what God does. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, here's the thing we don't like. Conflict and friendship help us with blind spots and character issues. But many of us say, last time I got around people, man, they started banging iron on me. That hurt. That, that was painful. I'm just staying away from people. Here's the problem. If you won't let people say things to your face because you want to stay away from them, they all have to say it behind your back because you have character issues that no one is addressing. See, the reality is we need people. We need people. And God intends for his people to help you discover things about you that are not just like Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus. None of us ever likes when somebody tells us things about us that's not just like Jesus. But when you look in the mirror, you're just like Jesus, aren't you, at home alone? Let's keep going. Y'all didn't like that one. Apparently, we also need each other to challenge our pride because simply asking for help is humbling. Come on, men, ladies, does your husband refuse to ask for directions? See, God wants us to be more humble simply by causing us to say, hey, would you help me? Would you help me? Truth is, we don't like asking someone to help us, even with the simplest things. I had a leak in our house, second floor bedroom, coming, water coming off of a roof. I am 5'5", five five and I'm very happy if my hair never goes above 5'6". I don't like heights. I don't like ladders. I don't like the roof of my house. But I spent the last two Saturdays up on the roof of my house. Why? Because I didn't ask anybody. I didn't ask anybody to help me. I've got plenty of friends. I got friends here in the church that actually like high places and like doing things like that. I could have asked them, why don't we ask people for help? Because there's something in us that says now I'm obligated to you. If you help me, I'm gonna have to help you. So my selfishness and my refusal to be around people says I'm just gonna be a proud, independent person and, and figure this out on my own. I may fall off this roof and break my neck, but at least this will be my last sermon. I won't have to write another one. But God says two people are better off than one. Y'all think y'all can do all this on your own? God says, no, you can't. Whatever you can do, two can do better, for they can help each other succeed. How about this one? We need each other to gain wisdom and insight. The Bible says plans fail for lack of counsel. You on your own come up with an idea, but with many advisors, they succeed. See, your idea in your head is like, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to try that. But there are people who have tried that before. They've lived this life. They've been down that road. And if you ask questions, you can be saved a whole lot of pain in this life. Look, I could keep going. I could name at least five more. But the simple point is this. Our independence from God's people is causing us to struggle in life, spiritually, emotionally, practically, and it's causing us to live with character issues that can only be exposed by doing life with God's people and actually depending upon them. The answer, stop playing in the sandbox by yourself. You've got to depend upon God's people, and it's a choice. You don't have to make the choice. Many people don't. Many people won't even after hearing this today. But there are things God has for you, and the fullness of what God has for you, you can only get 
by depending upon God's people. That's why we do small groups at Grace Life called life groups. Because this room is too big. This room is too big in almost any church you go to. It's gonna to be too big for you to know everybody here. No one's gonna know your name. No one's gonna know your story. No one's got your number. You can't call anybody for help. You can't get this from anybody in this room. You're not meant to. This room is for him. Have y'all noticed that? We come in here to tell him he is great. We come in here to hear from his word. But you need to get into a room where you can depend upon some people, a smaller group. And then I, I hope that it goes even one step further because that's our real prayer and our real secret purpose behind life groups here is when you get into a group small enough to know everybody's name, God will highlight one of them. Anybody who has done well in life over a series of years or decades, if you ask them to tell some of the stories, they will name a person. Oh, there was this guy who taught me how to read the Bible. There was this guy who helped me when our marriage was falling apart. This, is this guy who taught me how to follow Jesus. There was this guy who was there for me when we were going through our worst moments. There was, you see, I call it a providential relationship. And God has called you to depend upon these people. One of them, two of them, whatever the story is. Today, I encourage you, embrace your dependence on God's people. But the second one, we have to embrace our dependence on God himself. Now, honestly, as I was writing this message, I thought just saying those words is, well, it's kind of powerless. If I just say, hey, everybody, uh, I'm a pastor and I uh, want you to depend on God. And you're gonna go home and go, well, duh. And so I knew to try to convey this, it would, it would need something that would, that would tug at our heart. And I believe God gave me a picture. It's not a new picture. It's a picture you've either heard of or a story you've heard or something you've seen in a, in a movie. But I think it can help us understand the situation in a way that's more than just those words. But if you can imagine an eight-year-old little boy or little girl, whichever one you are, you imagine, and they're just, they're just really frustrated at home. Mom and dad keep telling them they can't have ice cream at every meal. What's up with that? Why can't I have ice cream at every meal? I know what's best for me. I can't go to bed after I watch shows until 2 a.m., but I love my cartoons. Why have I got to go to bed at, at 7 p.m.? What, what, what's with all of this? And at some point, you really just get tired of daddy telling you that you can't have ice cream at every meal because I know what's best for me anyway, right? And so as an eight-year-old kid, you imagine what they do at that point. We've heard some of the stories. A couple of you actually tried this when you were a kid. But you get your stuffed little teddy bear, your favorite pillow, and you put them in your little red rider, rider wagon, whatever that thing. Too many R's and W's. You put them in your little red wagon, and you go storming off down the street. I don't need you anymore, and I'm going to have ice cream at every meal. Until you get far enough down the street to find out ice cream costs money, and you ain't got none as your independent little eight-year-old self. And this kid could wander around for a while, just exploring the neighborhood, having a good old time, until, until it starts to get dark, get a little scary, might start to rain, walk down past the park and some strange animal noises are coming out of the woods. You might finally get to a point. You're like, I'm either going to get eaten or I'm afraid of the dark. You go running back home to daddy. What I believe God's calling us to do today is to grab your little red wagon and turn around and go home 
before it gets dark and scary. To go to daddy because he's daddy, not because it's dark and you're scared and there are animal noises in the woods, but because he's your daddy and you need him. And you need him before you're scared. That's why I gave you that list at the beginning of the message. You need him for things you don't even realize you need him for. You need him simply for your next breath. You need him for every blessing you want. You need him for wisdom. You need him for insight. You need him for your plans to work. You need him for everything. Don't wait until it's dark and you're scared and it's starting to rain and you got to figure out how to get you and your teddy bear home fast enough. But that's exactly how we live life. We wait until we've reached our end and we don't know what to do and we say, God, all I can do now is pray. But God's sitting on the porch when the sun is shining and a beautiful day and there's nothing to be scared of. saying, hey, why don't you just come on over now? Why don't we just do life together before it's dark and scary? Disciples asked Jesus a question. Matthew 18 said, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus didn't immediately say anything. You can imagine, he starts looking around the crowd. He looks for a little kid and says, hey, come here. Yeah, yeah, come on. And he talks to the kid for a minute because that's, that's what Jesus would do. He's going to talk to the kid. He's going to ignore those people with their dumb questions for a minute. And he's going to have a good time. And then he's going to put his hand on this kid's shoulder and he's going to turn to him and say, truly I say to you, unless you turn your little red wagon around and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Got to become like a child. These independent, strong-willed, don't-need-daddy adults, they haven't figured it out. Got to be like this kid. One scholar words it this way. The humility of a child consists of childlike trust, vulnerability, and the inability. Look at those three words. Childlike trust, vulnerability, and the inability to advance his or her own cause apart from the help, direction, and resources of a parent. Look, that didn't take a scholar to write that definition, did it? No. I didn't put it up there for that reason. I want you to look at that definition on the screen right now because the reason I put it up there is to ask you one question. Is that how you see yourself? in relation to God? Are you completely unable to do anything apart from him? So it might change how you pray and how you say you're grateful and how you respond. Do you trust him with everything, knowing there is no other answer? Are you vulnerable, knowing he knows how you feel, he knows what you think, he knows your doubts, he knows your fears? Is that how you relate to your God? The Bible tells us that we call him Abba, Father, as we are 
redeemed and brought into the family of God, we call him Abba, Father. We have a spirit of adoption as sons. The word Abba, closest equivalent in English, is the idea of Daddy. And a lot of people preach the whole point, he's Daddy. If you've been around Grace Life, you've heard me preach this. Some of you have not heard this, but it's one step further than just that he is Daddy. It is that you have the right to call him Daddy. You see, I have four children. There are four people in this building right now that can walk up to me in the lobby and call me Daddy. If the rest of you do it, it is plain weird. Just because I am Daddy doesn't mean everybody gets to use the name. But God says, if you have asked Jesus to save you, you're brought into the family of God. You get to look at him and say, Daddy. Daddy, I need you. I didn't realize how much I needed you. I've been dragging this little red wagon around. I think one of the wheels has fallen off and life is a mess. I think, can you, can you help me, Daddy? We need to embrace, embrace our dependence on God, which includes our dependence on his people. Because in my family, Daddy, Mommy, brothers, sisters, can't pick and choose. We're family. We need to depend on God actively, not waiting on it to be dark and scary. We need to depend on each other in a way that most of us have tried to avoid. So we're going to make it real practical. We're going to do it right now. If you're here in the room and you came in, there was a card on your seat. You had to move it in order to sit down. If you're online, there's a link in the chat you can fill out. This is our prayer card for our week of prayer and fasting. We do a week of prayer and fasting here twice a year at Grace Life, once in January, once in August. This week is our January week. I want to invite you to come back tonight, right here at 6 p.m. as we kick off the week with a time of worship and prayer together. But the significance of this card, it's everything we just talked about. Because I always tell you, right on that card, the number one thing you need God to do in your life. Today, I'm going to word it like this. Write down on that card the thing you've just figured out you actually depend on God for. <laughs> you've reached your end and you've got no answer. And if God doesn't do it, it ain't happening. Write down on that card what you depend on God for. And as you write it down, you're showing God, I'm dependent upon you, God. And the other piece of this, we're going to take those cards up before you leave. You don't have to put your names on them. And we're going to put those cards on this stage. And every single time this week, every day, we're going to pray for each card individually multiple times. Because you need to depend upon God's people to join with you as you depend upon God. As they pray with you, as they pray for you for those very things. As you fill out this card, you are saying, I am dependent upon God and I'm dependent upon his people. So we're going to take a moment right now. I'm going to give you about a minute. If everybody would, grab those cards and write down the one thing you need God to do in your life right now.
you're still writing, please continue to do so. I want to go ahead and pray for us. God, we thank you that you, you have not left us here alone. You gave us a family and we're surrounded by your people and you filled us with your spirit. We are never alone. And God, today we say, would you forgive us for living as though we were? Forgive us for not being dependent every moment of every day upon you and the people you've placed us with in life. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who wake up every day claiming our need for you and for each other in our lives. God, we thank you for your goodness and your patience in our lives. If you just stay in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that I told you I'd come back and talk to you later when I said we are dependent upon God for our salvation. If you have never asked Jesus to be your Savior, if you have never said, I depend upon you, Jesus, your death on the cross to pay for my sins, your resurrection to give me eternal life, I want to help you do that right now. We call it the free gift of salvation, but like any gift, it has to be received. And if you've never done that, I want to help you wherever you are, either here in the room or online, simply pray and say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them, everybody?